0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois and joined by Sean Dagenhart. You're here, here. And John Redling Schaefer. Hey there. I hope you're following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. We're at Hub Hyperion. We like to start our show off with our Disney views, and this week I want to remind everybody to go ahead and send us your stories. You can email us at podcast at the com. We received an email recently from Jaron, who actually alerted us to our guest last week and this week. He had heard Jim Sarno speak. Locally, and he thought he'd be a great story, and he is. So, we just want to remind everybody to go ahead and send us your stories. We'd love to hear from you. If you have an interesting Disney story, we'll definitely talk about it on the show. We would like to find as many people and your unique stories as possible. All right, on to the second half of our interview with Jim Sarno. If you remember, he was part of the opening team for Epcot Center, and he also helped reimagine and redesign Fantasyland at Disneyland. We'll hear those stories, and he also shares some of his favorite memories from some of the legendary Imagineers he got to work with. Can you go back to uh, some of the Harriet Stories You guys were so close. She was there from the beginning. So she worked on early Disneyland. I had read a story about her receiving some original Disneyland attractions or, or something that she worked on in Fantasyland, I believe.
1: Okay. Harriet and I became like family and, you know, we got a lot of perks. They gave you wonderful little trinkets, you know. You weren't getting a lot of money, but boy, they sure knew how to treat you so that you felt like you're getting something nobody else did. So, of course, Harriet worked on storybook land, you know, the boat ride. Mm-hmm. The windmills that came from the story, the old mill. And I live on old mill and she lived on olive mill. Oh, great. So here it comes back around. Well, when we were redoing Fantasyland, a group of people went down they were demolishing and redoing everything and they brought back the windmills from the original Disneyland two of them and they gave them to Harriet and Harriet was a southern belle as sweet as could be she thanked them oh honey child that's so sweet of you and when they left she goes what the hell do I <laughs> <laughs> I said, Harriet, that is original Disneyland. Nobody has that. She goes, I don't want them. She says, you take them home. (laughs) Wow. So this is how it went. Yeah. Nobody has ever seen these. I've had them forever. And I think, well, how can you get rid of original Disneyland from storybook land? Mm. So behind me is another good story. You see the Pirates of the Caribbean. On the side where the circles and ovals are, those are small thumbnail sketches that Mark Davis drew. Hmm. And one day, Harriet needed to work on an animation desk. So from the warehouse, they bring her an animation desk, and it's full of cobwebs and dust. I said, Harriet, let me clean it off for you. Oh, no, no, no. I said, please, let me. I'm cleaning it up. I pull out a drawer, and these thumbnail sketches fall out of the drawer well, I knew they were pretty important. I said, Harriet, look, what was it? She goes, Oh, that must've been Mark's desk.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) I said, well, I think they are. I said, what do I do with these? She goes, nobody has missed those for how many years been sitting in the warehouse. She goes, you found them. They're yours. I said, well, I'll take them and I'll, and we're working with Mark. I said, I'll take them to Mark and have them sign, you know, so they're authenticated. She goes, don't you dare. He'll tell you they're his, and you'll never keep them.
0: <laughs>
1: so I didn't bring him to Mark, and I had him put in this signed Mark Davis lithograph <laughs> to authenticize that, yes, Harriet Burns told me those are the sketches he showed Walt to get the pirate ride started.
0: Wow. Oh, And wow. they're just in a desk. Imagine how, a desk much, and- how many treasures are lost somewhere.
1: Wow. So many things were expendable. They just. Sure. What know, was the was story not...
0: of the, the Mary Poppins, uh, um, snow globe, snow globe, uh, that was thrown away that a janitor found that eventually made yeah. it into Mary Poppins returns. Um, so yeah, there are, there are treasures uh, out there that people don't even yeah, realize. A lot
1: of her. this happened. Harriet, um, uh, when she passed away, I became close to her family. And, uh, She lived in Montecito and now I live in Santa Barbara, but she passed away before I got here. But uh, her family and I became very close. And so when I went to the house to get ready to do the memorial for her death, Hmm. um, I saw a cage that always sat on her desk. Well, this was the cage that Walt Disney gave her with Joker in it. And Joker was given to her by Walt Disney Because she was designing the tiki birds with these feathers that Pam, her daughter, gave me a bag of Harriet's feathers from the tiki room. (laughs) So when we did the memorial and I went up to their house, I saw the cage, or actually I saw it in in Harriet's house. And when I went up to Sonoma to do the memorial again for their friends up north, they had given me the cage and said... We could see what that meant to you because it was on Harriet's desk. Every time you talked to Harriet, there was a tiki bird painted black and stuffed in there because Joker had passed. Mm. So we did a memorial book about Harriet. All her friends wrote stories. And uh, I designed the scarf that we gave as a gift when you bought the book. So the drawings are Blaine's and uh, Julie Swedson and the feathers and her paintbrushes and everything that was Harriet, because Harriet always wore a scarf around her neck.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: She wore gloves when she drove in. She had pearls on. You know, she was Donna Reed of the
0: (laughs) model shop. (laughs) Southern Belle. Southern Belle.
1: The way we worked together, uh, we were so close that a couple of times we were out on the same day. And all the kids in the shop, you know, wanted to tease us. Oh, what are you and Jim up to? They knew we were having such a good time together. So the third time this happened, Harriet came to me. She said, Jim, we were both out yesterday. She goes, you know what they're going to do to us? I said, well, what do we do? She goes, here's what you tell them. We ran off and got, we eloped in Acapulco. (laughs) (laughs) Harriet loved to joke and she had some body jokes, let's say for the Southern bell. She was, she had to work with these men in the shop and to survive this, she learned how to out tough them, you know, beat them to the punch. I actually have the deck of cards that I gave her when I came back from Acapulco and she'd write me cards. Hey, I just passed through Acapulco. I thought of you. Can't wait to see you. And, uh, When I went to speak at her memorial, they said, well, Jim, what's your title? So her daughter, Pam, was speaking, uh, Marty Scalar. And then they asked me, I said, well, there's so many people that Harriet worked with. Why are you asking me? And Pam said, just like her mother would have. She said, they're all dead and you're her close friend. So we want you to talk. (laughs) So they were saying, what is your title? I said, I don't have a title. And they said, well, what do we call you? I said, uh, I'm the Duke of Acapulco. (laughs) That's how they announced me, and that name has stuck with me ever since. (laughs) I'm the D-O-A. All
0: right. So, uh, out of uh, Epcot, you worked on the redesign of Fantasyland, and um, I think Tony Baxter maybe was one of the leaders on that project. What did you get to work on for that?
1: I got to work... uh, Actually, it was... It might have been coinciding with the fountain that I was working on, because you would move around and have a couple projects at the same time. So uh, they came to me and said, We have the old Dumbo ride, but we are redesigning it. We want it to look like a Geppetto toy with a wind up key and mm-hmm. Timothy. And now remember at five, I was Dumbo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I'm in this dream position. And I'm going to redesign the Dumbo model to build the new Dumbo. Bed. I couldn't believe it. So that was the first thing. Then I worked on Mr. Toad's wild ride. I did the scene for hell with all the <laughs> stalactites, And then I worked on the uh, toy store, secret bells toy store. Hmm. So that had palm trees and it was made to look like the lost boys land and that was one other thing. And then finally, and what I thought was the best, I was asked to build the platform where Tinkerbell landed after her flight.
0: From from the so, Sleeping Beauty Cat or from the Matterhorn. Is it from the Matterhorn? Matterhorn? Yeah.
1: And what I have is the script that must be twenty some pages about how I should build Tinkerbell's platform. It was the whole script of when she took off and what they said when they threw her on the wire and she free fell into this platform I needed to create. And there was a mattress that caught her. And I built this platform by Big Thunder Mountain. So she came down, she slammed into this mattress and she was not a young woman and she was pretty much a recluse. She got out of her apartment, got on the bus, went to Oh,
0: she, she was a circus performer, I believe. Right? Yes. Yeah, an older She was very movie tiny
1: movie. and elderly. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole script of what you say to Tinkerbell when she lands. What a great flight. Oh, <laughs> the crowds loved you. Oh, that was the best flight of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and how weird that they gave me all of this and said, now build the platform for her. <laughs>
0: And and
1: then what was great, like I say, the perks, they gave all of us this pewter key. This is on this placard, unlock the magic. And we all went to a party at the park. The drawbridge had been drawn up while we remodeled it. And they had Maleficent come up out of, she was a balloon out of the lagoon, Mm. almost as tall as the castle. And Prince Charming came riding out on a horse and had a fight with her, killed her. And the drawbridge came down mm. and the big Disney voice, welcome to fantasy land. Thank you for building the new fantasy land and uh, a whole booklet and pamphlet on what we had done.
0: Oh, that's great. So, you know, who gets
1: these kind of goodies and, We're talking about Harriet and she got this, like we all did buttons and all kinds of trinkets. And she said, Jim, you're going to save that thing. I said, yes. (laughs) I think at that point I realized this is a once in a lifetime. I better hold on to this stuff. She goes, oh, nonsense. She goes here, have mine.
0: Do you think it meant more to you because you grew up in Southern California and Disneyland has a different type of feel to people who are from there? Uh, I
1: think for Harriet, she was so modest mm. about what she was doing. She, When Fred, Fred is the one who got her to come to Disney. They worked, I can't remember the name of the place, but they were doing uh, figure finishing for windows for uh, a design firm. But anyway, he said, come over, we're building this amusement park. And she was reluctant. She thought, oh yeah, Mickey Mouse, whatever. Okay, it's a good job. And she came over and, You know, had her hands in everything from the beginning, but I think a lot of them were like, well, this is what he wants, but who knows? Mm. I think everybody was a little bit, how could this be anything? So she grew up with that. By the time I'm there, yes, I I mean, from five years old, I'm in love with everything. So when they're going to give me these goodies, (laughs) I'm not throwing them out. So Harriet would give me hers on occasion, when she passed away and we went to what we called the dig with the family to go through all the Disney collectibles and the books and the paintings and the signatures, I laughed at Harriet. I said, oh, so you didn't save anything,
0: huh?
1: <laughs> 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 She had plenty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a question regarding the sure. redesign of Fantasyland? tony baxter has said and and i can't even imagine what this feels like but at one point all of Fantasyland is completely torn apart you know there's walls blocking the view from the crowd yeah. but he looked around and he thought what have we done you know from 1955 Walt's dream the It's torn apart. It's torn apart. Now it's much more beautiful today than it was, you know, that, that uh, medieval atmosphere that was there and it worked in the fifties and sixties, but it was time for a change. Did you get to walk through there and see those walls torn apart?
1: Yes. Uh, The most exciting thing, you know, we had a silver pass. You've heard of this. Mm -hmm. I guess they still get them and you could go and bring your friends for yourself, they encouraged us to go before the park opened. They wanted us to walk around, see how things were designed. Keep in mind, you know, they took us on tours. They said, don't ever build a ride like the um, the pirates. They said, it's, it's a catacomb. It's down underneath in the damp, dank with rats. And whatever. I mean, it, it was not something they wanted us to do again. So Fantasyland, when we're doing it back in Glendale, they wanted us to go and see what we were up against and what you were building that was going to fit into what was existing. Uh, So it was wonderful. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but it was probably during the rebuilding of Fantasyland. They had us go down by bus to the park early in the morning from the studios. They'd bus us down. And we would be part of the Disney Canoe Club. And we had teams with T-shirts and we would get in the canoes and race around Tom Sawyer Island.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: then and get back on the bus, get back to work late. But that's, it was a playground. It was fun. Every day you went, I mean, it was a job. You had to be there, but boy, did we have fun. And then they give you an award for being part of the canoe team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. So, Pretty wonderful. So what happened uh, after Disney? You, you, you got to be involved in other creative endeavors after Disney as well. Can you talk about those? I'm seeing Teddy Ruxpin befi- behind you. I want you to tell that story. Oh, yes.
1: Well, remember, Teddy Ruxpin was designed and created by uh, Ken Forsey, who was my first boss at Sid and Marty Croft. So when he got it going, he called me, said, Jim, come to work with us. So I did when we were first started doing the Winnie the Pooh cartoon or they were live action Mm -hmm. shows. And that was in a little shop. He started in his garage. Then we went to a little shop. Then Teddy was becoming something. So he knew I could sculpt. He had me sculpt the Teddy Ruxpin, Grubby, the Fobbs. And I was there at the very beginning with him after a while he wanted me to take over the shop and it it, it was very uncomfortable he was becoming a big corporate creator and there was a lot of money being involved and he said look we're going to cut you into the company you're going to have shares you'll be very wealthy but you're just going to take over quietly i said i can't do that and it involved a friend of ours who'd been with him from the beginning I said, I'm not gonna just take over. I said, you've got to tell your buddy what's happening. I can't do that, Jim, I can't do it. I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't either. So I left. And, you know, it's integrity and I felt good about it, but with Ken and I, who were friends, it was really, it wasn't, it didn't feel good. So he went on and the success was all over the place. And I saw him at a party years later and I talked to him. I said, "Ken, I just feel horrible that I didn't stay with you, and you know, I'm sorry about that." And he goes, "Look, I need to apologize to you. I got caught up in the money. I didn't know what I was doing, and you were you were absolutely right what you did." And we became friends again. Hmm. So now there is a movie coming out by Billy Tuma, who is coming out with it this year, I think. Uh, a whole movie on uh, people who worked with him and the whole story of how Teddy Ruxman
0: came to be. That's awesome. So
1: that was pretty wonderful. And uh, then I got called by some friends who worked at Disney who were working in Las Vegas because they were becoming very themed there and they wanted a pirate-like casino. Bob Gurr. Treasure Island. Bob Gurr. So they were doing... um, This is David and Comradine Holtz. They were doing all the props to make it look like a pirate village inside and out. And at the time, they had bought everything all over Europe, Morocco, but they couldn't do the installation because they were going to Kuwait to build an amusement park. Jim, can you fly out with us and take over? So I flew out to Vegas. I hadn't been there in years. And as we're going down the strip, I see Treasure Island bigger than life. I said, that place? They said, yeah, we've got the warehouse filled with everything you need. You're going to have to make some pirate flags and maps and all kinds of trinkets, but you got to help us. And I was thrilled. So there I went to Vegas and worked there for the summer and made it look (laughs) piratey.
0: That's great. And then, so then from that point on, I believe you've, you've taught, right? You've become a teacher
1: I became, well, I moved, well, actually I was doing studio work and then some of my own things. And then I said, you know, I've done the studio thing and this has been great, but what else would I want to do? And I said, I wanted to travel the world. I thought, well, I don't have the budget for that, but I'll go get a job at the Burbank airport. So I did. And I left all the studio work behind, although I would get called once in a while. Can you make this? Can you do this? And do you know who Ub iWorks is? Of
0: course. Yeah.
1: Well, his family went on to design the mega theaters. IMAX. IMAX was very known, but iWorks was doing the same thing. Okay. So they hired me to build their models to sell at their conventions. So I moved to Monterey, I built their models, I got hired to do some other models for Tokyo. things would come and go, but I had lived in Monterey and I stayed up there for 25 years and I met uh, the president of McGraw Hill scoring, you know, McGraw Hill with the books for school. Mm -hmm. Well, in Monterey, they were based where they were doing the testing. And he said, Jim, I need to find somebody who is an artist who knows display, who can teach kids. And he said, will you develop a program for us? And he, again, I had this carte blanche, uh, you know, go do what you want. He gave me a huge budget and he said, we're going to send you all over the country and you're going to teach kids, take the art and decorate our corporate offices, decorate the superintendents, the schools where the kids made the stuff. So for 23 years, that's what I did up there.
0: That's amazing. And to be able to share your gifts that way, that's just truly wonderful. Yeah. it's You know, when you're an
1: artist and you get to make a living at being an artist in many places, it's, it doesn't happen. So very fortunate.
0: And all of the work that you did with Disney, I'm, um, you know, the fact that you have all these items is just wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing those stories with us and just for being with us.
1: Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, I did want to mention something Uh, next April uh, retro WDW Mm -hmm. is having a big event. And so they've asked me to come back. I did it two years ago and shared my stories and they want me to come back. They're going to do a whole different thing. And it's a wonderful trip for me to go to Florida, share my stuff. So it's going to be April 23rd and 24th of next year and retro magic dot org is where people can get tickets if they want
0: to go. Excellent. Right. And please okay. tell us your website as well. My
1: website is jimsarno.com. You can email me at jimsarno at icloud.com. Excellent. Uh, if you know Didier Arguez with his book mm-hmm. Waltz People, I was shocked to be interviewed to be in his next volume.
0: Great. Oh, that's-
1: so I said, you know, like I say, it was wonderful when it happened, but now, how many years later, and people want to hear these stories—pretty exciting.
0: It's important. It's very important. It, to, it really
1: is. It yeah. really is. So, thank you for keeping it alive.
0: Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us. We You're are welcome. honored. We want to hear your Disney stories. Email us at podcast at thehyperianhub dot com. Once again, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please. Take a couple of minutes and rate and review us. It really does help more people find the show. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great week. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at HyperionHub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub.